You're listening to the Long Boss Crusade podcast episode 36 featuring Avengers volume one, number 221, cover dated July 1982. Sixth episode of the Long Box Crusade. I am your host, Delvin. Some call me the Dark Web, and the Long Box Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Long Box Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. Joining me for this episode is we will start with the Leonardo of the group. He is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Welcome to the show, Jared. Well, hello. Hello. I'm happy to be here. I've uh, applied to be part of this team now for, I think, six or seven years. I'm hoping the paperwork goes through today, but I've been relying on Laurel for that paperwork. So, Well, you know, the wheels of the Longbox Crusade turn slowly sometimes, and, and that's how it works. So if you wait about another three or eight 15 more years, we'll get back to you. Sounds fair. Yep, absolutely. And we will move on to Jared's brother. He is the, hold on, which one is he? Is he the Donatello of the group or he's the Mike of the group? Nope. Donatello. There, nope, Mike. Ah, there it is. He is the Michelangelo of the group. He is Jason Albrecht. We call him Weasel Skull. Welcome to the show, Jason. I thought I was the wise mentor. I'm Splinter. That's uh, that's who I'm appointing myself. Nope, getting head, head shakes. No, hey, I'm with you, Jared. I, I also put in my application. I want to be one of those two Avengers. You know, they said the, they put out the qualifications. They're looking for somebody a little bit different. So I thought maybe to change it up, they'd look for somebody to just, you know, kind of sit on the couch and watch some movies, you know, while they go out and do some things. You know, I can uh, raid the fridge every once in a while just to make sure. You know, I'll make sure none of that food goes bad. Nothing gets spoiled. We don't want to waste anything in Adventures Mansion. So that's what I'm going to contribute to the team. I'll keep them up to speed on all the great shows that are going on. And I'll make sure that the food in the fridge doesn't go past the expiration date. And that's what I'm going to contribute to this team. I mean, I, I, I'm a shoe-in, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know why you're worried about application. You're you're already a, a part of it. You're a part of the core, right? Yeah, you're okay. I mean, it's it's Jared, the one that has to wait with the application and everything. Don't worry, Jared. It, it, it's coming. It's coming. Like, it gears, slow. Get, don't worry, man. It's it's coming. All right, moving on. Moving on. We what'd you, have... What'd you, what'd you huh? Say say no, no. I, I, was, I was breathing. It just sounded loudly. Oh. Sometimes it comes over the mic. There's a lot of game. Uh, moving on. Uh, we have the Donatello of the show. 
He is DJ Cristados, but his real name is Pat Sampson. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you, Delvin. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm actually here to do a member drive for the LBC crew. Mm. We need to... Dibs! Our, well, we'll see. We'll see. It ah. sounds like you're, you're playing in something else, so I don't know if you're going to jump ship or what. I hope yeah. not. We yeah, need no. you guys here. Uh, jump ship? No. Uh, no. Jason is not jumping ship. Jared is still applying. His okay. application is 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 coming up. You know, yeah. We have some yeah. things to do first. You know, like you've got some mixing and scratching to do with some podcasts and you know i, mm-hmm. I got a couple of shows to do and um yeah there's lots of things going on but we will get to jared's application yes absolutely yeah. i think I'll, I'll see if i can get laurel to kind of look in that or maybe clinton can maybe look yeah. through the files we got down below but we'll see mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely definitely. yeah no, don't worry jared help is on the way we we got you how's that elevator music is it good it's uh, i'm really digging it <laughs> Sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm glad. Like uh, we we made it, Prince, just for you. You know, so you've got years of entertainment to come. Years, many, many. <laughs> okay, all right. We we have a guest. We have a guest, folks. Uh, you, you can see him if you're watching us on the live stream. But if you're not watching the live stream and listening to this in podcast form, allow me to introduce. Look, the man's everywhere. He's been on ESPN. You know, he has books. Uh, I mean, he has his own podcast, the AU Wishbone. The man's everywhere. He is Van Allen Plexico. Welcome to the show, Van. He's here. He's there. He's every mm-hmm. where Van Plexico. Yes. Woo, um, that's and, <laughs> I, I already am a member with oh. A1 level security clearance. Could you put a word in for me? And it was even <laughs> signed by uh, Henry Peter Geirich and oh. William Clinton there. So since the 90s, you'll note full security clearance. So, well, I mean, absolutely no denying that. So, I mean, we've, we've go. got our, we've got our core four, and like you know, we, we just we need just two people, you know, to take the place here. Like, Jared, could you please put your hand down? Let's it's, it's not yeah. a question about my membership. I okay. wanted to ask Van a question real quick, actually, just so the viewers could be familiar with his. Uh, we invited him on because this is an Avengers issue, and he's got a bit of an Avengers thing going on, so I want him to talk about what he's got going on with it. I do. I do. Several months ago, we began to read all of the Avengers, and so I'm, I've am i got a YouTube show that's been going up on uh, the White Rocket TV is the name of the channel, where a lot of the stuff that we do at Dragon Con other stuff goes up. The James Bond thing we did you know, in, in L.A. went up there. And I'm posting the Avengers videos where basically about twice a month, either me by myself or me and some other Avengers related guests come on. And we started with Avengers number one from 1960, what, three, I guess, 62, 63. And we've been working our way up and we're just we're in like the 20s now. So I have a lot of like very recent firsthand experience and reading some, you know, the original Avengers comics and um and it's given me some interesting insights I didn't expect. So maybe we'll hit on some of those. Share one. What's an interesting insight? Well, as we were talking about a minute ago, that when Hawkeye comes aboard the team, he seems so earnest and really wants to redeem himself and and is so modest. And then as soon as they let him on board, he tries to overthrow Cap, insults him at every turn, criticizes everybody and everything, and wants to be the leader. And I'm just like, I, the, the, the 180 that he takes as a character is just 
unbelievable. And I, I was ready to throw him off the team immediately. And I just don't understand. I, I don't understand why Stan Lee thought it was fun to have a character that acted like that in the Avengers. And I don't understand why Captain America put up with him acting like that. He should have been put on probation within two issues. Seriously. And I mean, it's because it's not even fun. It's just annoying. But that's that's one example. The, the other big example, Delvin, is uh, that, I, that I've been noticing is how the Hulk is such a subplot for the first year or so of the book because he quits almost immediately, but then becomes kind of like the background, not the villain, but like their whole focus becomes we got to track down the Hulk, track down the Hulk. And a lot of the other adventures they have is while they're trying to track down the Hulk. So that's kind of interesting, too. And neither one of those things that I really expect going in. I'd kind of forgotten about that. That is interesting. I will count that as your current crusade, by the way. I, lest I forget that this is the Longbox Crusade, we go through everyone and ask them what their current crusade is in 10 words or less. Uh, so um, actually, you took everyone's word. So we're just going to go to a commercial. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, let's start back with Jared. And in 10 words or less, my friend, could you please tell us your current crusade? Preparing no. for Dragon Con. That was really good. I was totally prepared to double like that will reflect very well on your application by the way yes it's been, yes it's been bumped up to 14 years now jason your current crusade in 10 words or less i recently completed my crusade of organizing my comics i don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> neither do i it's true it's true I oh believe- ruby bartlett I believe you, Jason, and I believe in you. All right, Pat, your current crusade in under 10 words or less. My current crusade is getting LBC Gaming up and running and playing some Final Fantasy. I got the official strategy guide here. Am I the character with that big sword? That's why I want to be that guy. No, that's Cloud. Pat's, Pat's Cloud. Yeah. Why is he in, uh, who am I? Vic, Vic, well, I, Jason. Yet. I don't know yet. You're, you're Jason. Like we, We've already discussed this. You, no, no, no. I'm somebody in that game. I want to make sure I, I'd be well represented in that game. You are You are somebody, Jason. Lord and <laughs> I will get to my crusade. My crusade in 10 words or less is I have been working out with a silverback gorilla. There we go. That was 10 words or less. I don't even have to explain that. I want that to just hang by itself. And we invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Longbox Crusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. I'm going to add one thing. YouTube, like us, subscribe to us. Now, before we get started with the episode issue review, let's take a quick podcast promo break. We will be right back. The Incredible Hulk and the Twins of Evil. In a mind-boggling attempt to destroy the Green Goliath, the Abomination and Wendigo join forces. Alone, I can fight you to a standstill. Together, we can render you helpless. Hulk only wants to fight fair. The deadly duel leave the Hulk defeated, but suddenly... It's the Hulk! Keep away. Hulk no like people. It's okay, Hulk. We'll help you. You got to have something to eat, Hulk. Here, have a hostess fruit pie. 
Hostess fruit pie. You'll like the real fruit filling. And how about that light, flaky crust? Look happy now. Oh, thanks, boys. The green gargantuan crashes off into the forest. I'm glad we have Hostess fruit pies to share with the Hulk. He ate them all. Apple, women, and cherry. In a strange way, I think he knows we're his friends. Now Hulk take care of unfinished business. You, you get, get a, a big delight in every bite of Hostess fruit, fruit Pies. Welcome back from the break. Today's adventure from the long box is Avengers Volume 1, number 221, cover dated July 1982. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website, and here we go. The comic title, Avengers 221. The publisher was Marvel. Cover date, July 1982. The on-sale date was April 6, 1982. Cover price was 60 cents. The editor was Jim Salicrup. The writer was David Michelini. The penciler was Bob Hall. That is hard to pronounce. The inker is Brett Breeding. The letterer is Janice Chiang. The colorist is Christy Scheel. This book was reprinted in Avengers, I Am an Avenger, trade paperback, 2010. Avengers, The Trial of Yellow Jacket, trade paperback, 2012. The Marvel Masterworks, Volume 310, Avengers, Volume 21, hardcover of 2021, and Marvel Unlimited. And here's Jared, who, who's working on getting to be a part of the core team with the cover description. I just started the second coat of wax on your car, Delvin. Man, I appreciate that. That was, that was nice. That, that was so nice. All right. Cover description. The Marvel Comics logo is white letters on a black banner. The Avengers logo is yellow with blue highlights. There is no corner box. In its stead is a question. Who will be the newest member of the Avengers? The red backgrounded cover is nothing more than a roster of possibilities with their respective headshots. I'm going to go through a list of these possibilities, and I'm going to assign someone here on the panel to say the catchphrase or maybe something that that person is thinking on the cover. And I know that I don't have to explain it beyond this because Delvin gets to go first because the first one is Power Man. What would he say, Delvin? Sweet Thanksgiving. Close enough. <laughs> Next up is Spider-Man. Pat. Hey, Bunky. <laughs> Next up, Wolverine, Van Plexico. Shut up, bub. Nice. Dazzler, Jason. Disco fever. <laughs> Hawkeye, back to Delvin. I do more than shoot arrows. Okay. No. <laughs> Rom, Pat. <laughs> One more time, Pat. <laughs> Can't get enough of that. The Invisible Woman, Van. How many teams do you want me to be a member of? <laughs> Daredevil, Jason. Y'all got any legal issues? <laughs> Ant-Man, back to Delvin. Let me join. Hi, I'm here. Let me join. <laughs> the Hulk, Pat. Hulk hungry. Doctor Strange, Van. 15 million different outcomes of this issue, and you had to pick this one. <laughs> the She-Hulk, back to Jason. Y'all got any legal issues? Yes. <laughs> you, you <would> do that. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. Delvin, you got the easiest one of all. Black Bolt. All right, Pat, Spider-Woman. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I'm totally Spider-Woman. I'm totally Spider-Woman, yes. And finally, it's a Silver Surfer back to Van. Forsooth in all the cosmos that I should be reduced to being on the cover of this stupid magazine. <laughs> and we've rounded them all out. That's everybody who's on the cover. And with that, I hand it back to Delvin. <laughs> oh, man, that was highly amusing. I mean, you keep this up, man. I mean, upper middle management potential right there, Jared. I got it. Yes. 
<laughs> okay. Um, cover and art. We should talk about that and what we thought about it. Let's start with Pat. Pat, what did you think about the cover and the art work contained within it? Overall, I thought it was good. Uh, when you picked this one for us to choose, I thought that this brought back some memories as a kid because in 1982, I had this one as a kid. It got purged through my early years of like, oh, I'm going to get rid of some stuff and so I can boost my G.I. Joe collection. So I use that money to get more G.I. Joe comics. But this was one that I had for a long time and the iconic cover of it just really stood out for me. And I'm always like, well, who's that person that's missing? But it's Invisible <laughs> Girl. Invisible Woman. <laughs> and it always gets me every time. So I get duped by the cover. I'm like, <laughs> is that like, maybe you can be there. You can be an Avenger too. And you put your picture there from your, you know, your school picture. You put it in there. I think that would be pretty cool to have. Uh, but you'd be sharing that box with uh, Sue Richards. But uh, that's not, not the too worst bad. place. Not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby. But overall, I like it um, with the portraits of the characters. Like Wolverine, man. That's what he looks like when he's clean shaven. Interesting. Yeah. Looks almost respectable, doesn't it? Yeah. Pretty cool. And as for the blank panel, we are living in an invisible world, and I am an invisible girl. We pass it on to Jason. Jason, what do you think about the cover and the art? I think it was really smart marketing. I'm thinking back to 1982, and I don't remember if I bought this issue or not. I was big into reading Star Wars and Indiana Jones at the time. Those were kind of the two main comics I was picking up. And I do remember seeing this on the rack. And I think that it's, again, like I said, smart marketing because it it opens up that possibility. It's like, hey, you're in on some secret decision that the Avengers are going to make. It's like draft day. And here's some representatives of who could possibly be making that team. And they've got a wide range of folks from the listers like Spider-Man and Daredevil. But then they've got, if you're into defenders you got some dr strange in there you know you got rom the space knight you've got you know power man from power man and iron fist so from a marketing standpoint i think it's really well done and it's a it's a good concept i'll stop there totally agree with you jason but rather than hearing me talk let's hear van talk well first i think it's funny that right there at the top in the second and third spots you have the two characters that would be such a big deal when they when bendis would have them join just a few years later you know and they make such a big deal out of it and here they don't even wolverine doesn't even appear spoiler in this issue and spidey gets a couple of pages this cover i'm very much of two minds about this cover because i had a subscription during this time so i was getting them regardless of what the cover looked like i was going to have it so as somebody who was just getting the issues and wanted a cool cover i look at this and go this is a terrible cover because it's just a bunch of boxes. And then like you keep pointing out, one of them doesn't even have anybody in it because it's just, it's a joke, but it's a joke that leaves you with just an empty space on the cover. So I hated, hated this cover as, as far as it came in the mail to me in a, in a brown wrapper. But in terms of like marketing, like somebody said a minute ago, getting somebody to buy it off the, the spinner rack or whatever, I think it's a brilliant cover. Because it asks a question and it asks you to participate. And not many covers ask you to participate, right? It's even got little check boxes next to each name where you can check them if you wanted to. Get your Sharpie out and ruin your comic, you know, ruin that resale value. So, I mean, it's like I say, it's it's a terrible, terrible cover and a really, really smart, clever cover at the same time. So there you go. Van says terrible and clever. I'm interested in what Jared has to say. 
I'm going to completely agree with Van and Jason. Like as far as an action pack bang pow, it's it's not there. But it's it's the cover that if you're spinning this on the rack and you see it, you're like, oh hell yeah, I I want to know. I mean, they've laid it out for you. They've said there's going to be two new Avengers. They're on this cover more than likely. So are you interested in which two it's going to be? I'm like, I don't even read the Avengers, but I'm like. Yeah, I'd like to know who's, who's, who's going to be on that. So, yeah, low on action pack, but the marketing value is is great. It's kitschy. It's memorable because of that. So interesting that it's not a whiz bang. We're fighting Galactus or um, Hoover Vac or I don't know the Avengers. I, I, don't, I do my best. But, yeah, what a great marketing tool. I, I love it. And as for me, I picked this cover up uh, last week. One week ago, there's a little mini con here at Charlotte. And uh, one of my buddies, uh, Dean Hardy, who runs Hardy Boys, I think Records and Comics is the name of his store. He has two stores in the North Carolina area. Came by his store and I was like, I want to give you money. And I remember seeing this cover from somewhere. I was like, this is cool cover. It was like six bucks. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick it up. Yeah, because it is fun. And it's cool that like, Van mentioned, like, the first three characters are characters that weren't introduced to the Avengers for probably about 20 years later. It took another 20 years for Luke Cage, for Spider-Man, and for Wolverine to be a part of the Avengers. And some have never been Avengers. I, to my knowledge, Black Bolt has never been an Avenger. Neither is Doctor Strange or Rom, for instance, or Silver Surfer. But it's cool that they were possibilities. That maybe if like those are, I mean, because all of those are cool characters in their own right. So even if there were the possibility that one of those characters could become one of the Avengers, you might want to pick this book up. So I think it's it's an intriguing and interesting uh, cover. So I actually like it. And that was one of the reasons I picked it up. It's definitely a memorable cover. And if it's memorable 40 years later, then it has to have something to it, right? So with that out of the way, we will get to the synopsis provided by, oh yeah, me. The title of this issue was New Blood. The Avengers are looking for two new members as Cap, Iron Man, Thor, and Wasp just aren't enough. Six is the number you want. And the Avengers don't want any weirdos like Moondragon. No, sir. No, ma'am. Thor wouldn't mind someone a little independent, so he tries to recruit Spidey. Spidey is like, maybe. Cap and Iron Man want someone established, so they go after Hawkeye, who says yes, but has one foot in the door, one foot at top flight security of the world. Wasp wants another. <laughs> Got the reference. That's excellent. Wasp wants another woman for the team, you dirty minds. And so she asks several women superheroes to show up at her place and audition, which is bad luck for the bad guy, Meccano Marauder. That's a mord if you've ever heard of one. And in the end, the Avengers add both Hawkeye and the sensational She-Hulk. 
both of who have a little tension developed already. What will this new Avengers team be capable of? Stay tuned. We'll talk about what you think about the story and what did you think about the story art. And Jared, you went last. You can go first this time. Oh, my goodness. I um, I don't read a lot of Avengers. I was picking them up kind of here. I, let me be honest. Jason was probably picking up here and there when we were kids and I was reading his. Uh, again, uh, this one, the story really starts with the cover for me. Like when you said, Hey, I want to do Avengers 221. I just picked it up. I was like, mm, okay. You know, I was kind of excited because it's an 80s comic that I hadn't read. I saw the cover, intrigued, uh, went through the issue, kind of delivered exactly what the cover said it was going to be. Uh, it's not a filler issue. It's not a wheel spinner, but it kind of is because there's no major story arc being moved forward. But it's just one of those kind of slice of life. Um, you feel like you're watching a key moment, you know, because there's a roster change. And like you said, as far as like the action, like the action's very shoehorned in with the the mechanical Mort monster or whatever his name was who showed up <laughs> just to take a whooping at some of the most powerful ladies, like all in one place. He, he picked the wrong place at the wrong time. Like each one of them could have defeated him individually, but they were all together in one spot. So it's kind of shoehorning because you got to have action in the comic, but really it's really just a comic about selecting new members which I really enjoy that kind of thing. You know me, uh, we've talked about the show and we talk about X-Men comics. I like things grounded, not cosmic. This is extremely grounded and extremely interesting. And I'll shut up because there's four more opinions to come. Well, three more opinions after Pat goes. You know, this one, I was kind of like Jared feeling that, oh, is this going to be like one of those where everybody takes a break and we do a little baseball outside and just kind of, you know, Getting the team together, we just had a big deal going on, which they kind of mentioned in this one that there was a big deal going on right before this. And so now they really got to boost up the team again to get things back to the way it was. I like how they thought about some of the other players that they wanted to pull in and how each of them had their kind of pros and cons about them. But what really struck me as interesting was that the story, the, the really meat of it all was the attack that was happening with Jan and all the other female characters. I thought that was really interesting that they made this more of the gathering of the female uh, superheroes. And you know, let's pick some females here to, to get on board here. I really liked that. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, unfortunately for the Mort, that the, the being guy mechanical or whatever, it's like, well, is he, you know, he's going up against what was it, six or so women, that superpowered women? There he, he's even so bad that they start leaving before the fight's over with. <laughs> yes. I'm like, wait a minute. I had to reread that. I'm like, okay, it's so like, like, oh, you know, thanks for joining, you know, Invisible Lady Woman's like, you know, thanks, but I already got another team, so I'm out of here. See you guys later. And the, the guy's still there trying to fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they paid him no mind at all. It was... <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> Which is fun. It was bad, but it was fun. It made sense when, when I went back and did that. And then to just to see the angstiness between uh, Hawkeye and uh, She-Hawk yeah, coming into play and how that's going to turn out. But, you know, it's like, Hawkeye, do you really need to wear your costume to whatever security job you get? <laughs> <laughs> Dress for the job you want. <laughs> the job you have. I suppose. What job did he get? See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but let me ask this. Now that we got, we got Van, who's very knowledgeable in Avenger history, I'm not super knowledgeable like 
I haven't read a lot of it. I probably had this one because of the cover that it grabbed my eye at the PDQ uh, Quickie Mart kind of a store that we had in town that I would go and get my comics from. And how often do they do this? Because they talked about the last time they did a roster change was issue 211. Is it every so often they change them out or, or and that, does it have to be like that? Well, it issue 16 set the tradition. That was when they had the old order changeth. And Stan, of course, makes a huge dramatic production out of them changing members because that was when that was when Iron Man, Thor, uh, Pym and Janet all left at the same time and just left Captain America behind to start his own team. And he brought in Hawkeye, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. So it totally changed the entire team, you know. And ever since then, every you know, every few years, they'll do something like this where they'll have a new, the old order changeth and bring in new members. This was actually one of the like least dramatic they've, uh, that they did because like, I think it was 181 after the Korvac saga was over that they did this whole big thing where Gyrick comes in and says, you've got like 70 members. That's way too many and just kicks people out, including Hawkeye. That's the reason Hawkeye was in a bad mood when the Avengers went to talk to him at, at Cross uh, security was because oh, yeah. he had gotten kicked out by Gyrick back in 181 um, to put the Falcon in. And he, that did not sit well with Clint. He was ticked off toward the Falcon for a long time after. So that, that kind of held over to this. There's a lot of stuff under the, under the, you know, under the surface that you can just kind of sense in this issue. Oh, very good. Thank you. Van, you want to stick with the, with the mic there and talk about what you thought about the book and the art? Well, I will say this was not the first time that Fabian Stankiewicz or whatever his name is, the Meccano Marauder appeared. He um, he would pop in every now and then a couple of issues just to be like a dumb, you know, gets beat up. Later, Marvel would kind of use the wrecking crew for that ju- that purpose, like when they need a villain to show up and get their butts handed to them for a bigger story that, you know, they're just there to get beat up. The wrecking crew usually served, but this guy was a third string wrecking crew. This is part of what we call the uh, the second Jim Shooter era. And the first Jim Shooter era is my favorite era in the history of the book because that had Ultron, Korvac, and the Count Nefaria, all that. It was just so good. And then Shooter kind of went off for a while, and you had some other people. David Michelinie came in as the main writer, and Shooter was kind of plotting with him uh, for this run. And it it really kind of speaks to the very uneven nature of this run. And this issue is a prime example of it, which is that Shooter would have these sort of basic plots like, okay, add two new members. And then Michelinie would go in and make it kind of funny. So all the stuff you're seeing in this issue that's kind of funny is totally David Michelinie. The Meccano Marauder is a total Michelinie thing. The idea the women beat him up while they're still chatting with each other about the party. That's totally David Michelinie. All of, you know, Hawkeye being kind of, that's all David Michelinie. So I was really glad that he scripted this one because I think if just Shooter alone had written it, I, and, and I really I don't think it would have been as good. And I, and I don't like this era, really, because this is where they're really doing a lot of stuff to Pym that makes me upset as a longtime Avenger fan. This is where he this is the this is the exact era where he punches Jan in the face, gives her a black eye. They get a divorce. He tries to create a, a robot to attack the team to make himself look good. And it just ends up with him in prison. This is this is like Jim Shooter drags. Uh, Henry Pym through the mud for about two years. And it was frankly painful to read this era. It's not one of my, that's why when, when Jared told me this was the issue, I was kind of like, Oh, it's from that era. Ooh. But then I saw the cover and I'm like, Oh no, that was actually a fairly entertaining one from that, you know, that era. So I like this one better than most from this second shooter run. I think. Yeah. I liked it. Okay. Mostly because of Michelinie. 
Nice. Jason, you have been waiting patiently, my friend. Go for it. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book were the two Avengers that got chosen for the team. I like having Hawkeye on the team. He always kind of, to me, brought that everyman personality to it in a team full of gods and geniuses. Hawkeye, you know, somehow seemed to speak to me as a as, as kind of a common person uh, so I could kind of see the team through his eyes. Jared brought up the topic of it being grounded. And I thought as I looked at the art of this, how even the Avengers mansion back then, like today it looks all, you know, they're like in in the body of a, of a god, basically. That's their headquarters now. But this was back in the Avengers mansion where you have common furniture, cups of coffee strewn about. And it looks like an every person's kind of kind of headquarters and you get that grounded feeling. And finally with She-Hulk, this has always been an interesting dynamic as I've read through the Avengers, that relationship between Hawkeye and She-Hulk, which starts off pretty rocky here. But over time, they really develop an admiration and a respect uh, and a likeness, a fondness for one another. And I'm thinking forward to like the search for She-Hulk uh, series that Jeff Johns did. I think that was like in the early aughts and how Hawkeye really plays a pivotal part in finding and rescuing She-Hulk and bringing her back uh, into the fold. So there's a lot of seeds here in this issue that triggered my memory of things that I was really fond fond of going down the road. And it, it's very well grounded. It, it's This is the A-level team. This is the NFL you know, or the major league of, of uh, superheroes, if you will. But when I read through this, I have a fondness for just how well grounded uh, that it is. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. I'll wrap it up there. And what I'll add to it is what struck me about this. And, yeah, it was 40 years ago, but it felt quaint. Like uh, co- compared to the Avengers that I've read relatively recently because I'm a few months behind at this point like they have dispensed with any of the pleasantries you know it's like Captain America calls Iron Man Tony he doesn't he does not call him Iron Man it they could be on a mission and it's Tony and the reason why is everybody knows Tony Stark is freaking Iron Man it's the same thing like Iron Man would just call Cap Steve and there and here in the book they were still kind of like relatively formal and also another thing is that Hawkeye would even have a job at top flight security of the world, period. Hawkeye didn't, like, what does Hawkeye do now? He, he ain't got no job. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't need a job. His, his job is that he's Hawkeye. And that's the same thing with, like, Cap. They I don't know if at that point, because I know in the 70s, they tried to balance out Cap sort of being an artist and he was doing something else. And his him being Cap was a secret identity. And somewhere along the way, they very smartly just dispensed with that whole idea and just said, no. Captain America is Captain America. It, it, he, he doesn't really have any secret identity, and nor should he. It just really doesn't make sense. Uh, so that was very quaint. I, I enjoyed the artwork, too. I thought the artwork was, was good. It was just simple and clean. And probably one of the most interesting things that I thought that were in the book was the woman team, which I'm sure was pretty avant-garde back then, but that women's team would probably make a pretty damn good Avengers team. That is that would be a powerhouse of a team. I mean, She-Hulk, Dazzler, uh, the Wasp, 
Invisible Woman alone? I mean, that that's one heck of a core four. Right Don't forget there. Black Widow. Black Widow, like, y'all, y'all, that's a team. Like, if that team became the Avengers now, it'd be like, okay, I'm paying attention. Throw, throw, throw like a Scarlet Witch into there or something. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would cool. be... That would be one heck of a team. And like, so it was interesting that just even the thought and the formation of that was there. And it was cool seeing some early, for me anyway, uh, David McElhinney, because I knew him most from his run from Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I think he did Iron Man too, but I haven't really read a ton of Iron Man, but I read a lot of, of his Amazing Spider-Man. I read literally all of his Amazing Spider-Man. Delvin, he did the definitive Iron Man run twice. Nice, nice. He's like to Walt Simonson on Thor or John Byrne on or Kirby on Fantastic Four. That's what he and Leighton were on Iron Man. So is this before that then? Uh, No, this is right after it. Right Right about the same time, right after, yeah. Okay, because you can definitely see in his Iron Man pictures here that everything's really looking sharp on the superheroes. I thought that the art on this issue, I'll just say real quick, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys, but I was going to note that Bob Hall, I'm not really that familiar, honestly, with Bob Hall and Brett Breeding. They didn't do a lot of comics I read back in the day, but they do a very Bob Layton-ish look to me. This issue looks like it was inked by Bob Layton, and it may be that Michelini wrote it, and it just makes me think Bob Layton, because the two of them, you know, always were together on Iron Man, but but this this issue made me think Bob Layton a lot, especially the way Iron Man looks, so... May just be a coincidence. And now I'm going to jump in because at Heroes Con, I had the the big fortune of having my table right next to Bob Halls, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I've seen his name on some stuff. And then the more he he's like he's like the Cars from the 1980s. Every song you like from the 1980s, but you can't remember who sang it, it was the Cars. Like like every time, like oh oh he drew that. Oh oh okay, Bob Hall drew this. Like he's just that guy that kind of floated around, and uh, he. He does these little squares. He calls them his airplane sketches. I have a Bob Hall original. Yeah, I'm going to show off of the Joker here. He does these little squares that he, he calls them airplane sketches because he does these in the airports and on the airplanes when he's going to con. So he shows up with about 30 of these and he just lays them out on the desk and they're like 60 bucks each. And if you're like me and you're a cheap bastard and you wait until the last day and he's got a couple left, you go, hey, you got anything on sale? You know, and I think he gave me this for like 40 bucks or something like that. But man, he's worked on G.I. Joe, Batman. Uh, clearly the Avenger, like you name it, he's, he's touched on something. And so very prolific and a great guy too. So uh, I just want to shout out for Bob Hall while his name was in the room. He was the guy that was kitty corner, right? Yep. Just right over my back shoulder. Like I was yeah. under the L yeah. and he was the beginning of the next L. Yeah. Son of a gun. I, how, how is that for a coincidence? I remember yeah. the guy and it, and it was like, I remember seeing the name. It's like, I could not think of anything that he wrote. And sure enough, like we come around right full circle and we're talking about a book that he drew. That's awesome. Gentlemen, do you have any other comments about the story or the art? I like how Ronald Reagan was the one that was signing the the new roster, officiating the new roster. I thought that was cool. You're mistaken. It was Nancy. No, it's in our well, maybe. Maybe she was forging his signature. Just a little political humor. I'm joking. Uh, does anyone else have it? it, it man, Dan has something. Yes, Go I, for the, it. the Reagan thing is exactly what I was going to mention because if you notice on the desk, there is a picture of Nancy, but it's behind the much more obvious picture of Bonzo. There is a picture of Reagan holding Bonzo <laughs> from the movie Bedtime for Bonzo. Bedtime for Bonzo. Bonzo. <laughs> <laughs> He's blocking the picture of Nancy. 
Oh man, I was like so excited. See, that's such a, and that's again, that's such a Michelini. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if David put that in the script and said, draw, draw Reagan holding Bonzo on the desk because that's so. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even notice it. I didn't even realize it was. I read this too fast. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, this was kind of a went by of a, a quick read than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be kind of lengthy. I think having that action in the middle really helped it. But it still was a an impressive read for me to go through. Nice. I am glad everyone had some enjoyment from it. And if I'm looking at the script correctly, there, there's a part where, where Jared has to. Jared, Jared, like, I, I hope you prepared because, like, this, this goes into, like, your records for your file that hasn't been processed yet, but it's, no. it's coming. 13, 13, 12, 8, 18 years. I Go for not, it. I will not drop the draw. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Anyways. All right, folks. It is time for us to walk up to Mr. Bob Hall at a convention, which was not a long walk for me at Heroes Con. I could literally reach out with my right hand and touch the guy. What a nice guy, too. And let's say Bob has every page of original art left for this one. If you could have just one page from this issue to put a little frame and hang on your wall, which one would it be? And I think this is an interesting issue for it because it's a lot of packed panels. There's only like one splash page, which is the first page. So if you're a real cheater, Jason, you can take that one. But I'm interested to see what each person's favorite page of art is. And once we get everybody's, I'll throw them with mine at the end and then we'll give control back to Delvin. And speaking of Delvin, why don't you go first? Huh. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I was flipping through because I forgot about this part of the show. And how could I? We've, I've done like 30 of them, but I forgot anyway. Let's go with man, the pages aren't numbered. So I'll like show people the page who are, who are watching and I'll try my best to describe the page where Thor's looking for Spider-Man and Spider-Man tracks down some baddies uh, into a tunnel. And it has like a very good headshot at the end of Spider-Man. So those are two characters that I like. Uh, I thought he did a very good job of showing Thor in action. And then there was a very cool panel uh, where it was probably mostly inker work, but like, you know, got Spidey just kind of chilling like this with his hands behind his back, hanging from the web. And then it finally shows uh, his um, full image upside down. I thought that was really, really cool. That was a good panel. You know what? Since we've got Van here, Van, why don't you show us your favorite page from this uh, issue? Okay. We'll do exactly what you just said and go to the splash page. I nice. did notice that, by the way. I've been I've been commenting on all of the Avengers on how they would cram so many little panels and so much dialogue into uh -huh. those early issues. It takes a long time to read one of Stan's comics. I mean, my gosh. But um, this one has a lot of panels and a lot of – not as much dialogue, but a lot of panels, too – but I, it's that's not my, I'm not cheating to take this page. The reason I would want this page is that it's got that very Bob Layton looking Iron Man and it's got them all in the mansion kind of hanging out with the big round table, the big three. And Jan really should be part of the big four. Honestly, that's the big four. If, if you ask me about Avengers history. And um, I really dig that. I like I like any time that the Avengers are just in the mansion hanging out. In costume, though, you know what I mean? It's like they're not like hanging out in bathrobes or T-shirts working out. They are there ready to fight, you know, Kang or something. And yet they're hanging out having coffee and, and, and Jarvis is bringing them sandwiches and stuff. So I really like that. I like that page a whole lot. It's very nice. Very nice. Pat. 
Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Van said of just kind of them hanging out. I'm going to go with the page that just has Thor kind of sitting there reading his book in that nice comfy chair. And Jarvis is bringing him some mead, you know, at a certain temperature, at 78 degrees temperature. And I also like that Thor, you know, he's a big guy and strong and, and very wise. And But he asks Jarvis, you know, what would you do? And I thought that's kind of cool that he includes oh, cool. Jarvis as somewhat of, you know, the behind the scenes member of the that Avengers. Cool. I like that. Yes. Leadership trainer Jared fully approves of that. Asking the guy who's been there since the beginning might have some good ideas, you know, not, not a bad move. Uh, I'm glad you picked up on that. I meant to mention that in my story coverage and I forgot. So thanks for bringing that up, Pat. That's awesome. I think that's everybody. Not quite. (laughs) All right, here we go. What you got, Jason? (laughs) I'm going to go with the last page. I think that really sums it up. It sets up the next chapter of the Avengers. You got your new team. I like the Hawkeye. Uh, She-Hulk element there. Like I said, this is really establishing a relationship that's going to keep moving forward and build upon this moment for decades. And you wrap it up with the Avengers, the new Avengers. I think this is a great page that sums up the issue and really highlights a lot of the stuff I love about the Avengers. So last page for me. I want to add something real quick, Jared. I like this page too, and it was just really cool that they showed you like uh, the height comparison and the difference where you've got Janet barely, you know, just reaching over and giving a Hawkeye kiss, and then you, like She Hulk has to bend down in order for Janet to reach her, and that was and just that's actually kind of cool too. Like it just kind of shows what a sweetheart Janet is, and that's really been a staple of her since she's been around where. Like, yep, she's been the fashionista and all like that, but she really has been like one of the like glue characters of the Avengers ever since they've been around. And she's kind of awesome. Absolutely. I, I was going to say that same thing. So good eye, Delvin. I was going to point out the tippy toe Jan for She-Hulk, even though She-Hulk's punched way lower. Anyway, you caught it a good catch. Uh, for my favorite page, I'm actually going to go with, I think it's content page three. So you got to go all the way back the other way there, man. Uh, yeah, right there. It's on the right. Uh, I like this one because you get cool capy Thor, you get Iron Man and Cap together, you get uh, Jan, and then you get the one, two, three, four of each of them right across the bottom. If yeah. I could change anything, you know, I, I wouldn't give Bob Hall any crap, but I, I wish there was just a little more maybe backgrounds on those bottom four. But hey, man, if you got to crank out this many pages in a month, I will cut Bob a little slack and I do dig it so those are our favorite pages uh if you guys have got this book at home or if you have uh, marvel unlimited or maybe one of those trades Delvin mentioned earlier take a look see what you think and uh, let us know you can always comment on our social medias and i'm going to hand it back to Delvin. thank you jared and now we're going to just talk about memories july 1982 does that bring back any special memories to anybody man i can tell you right now man i was five i, I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of anything I did when I was five, star kindergarten. Uh, but uh, let's see. I mean, we have some seasoned gentlemen on the panel, so they might have some better memories than me. Let's start with Jason. Jason, do you have any memories from July 1982 time frame? Well, I was 11, and my baby sister was just born, so I'd lost my own room and had to room with Jared, which would start a nightmare journey for, oh, 
say the rest of my childhood existence. Didn't really stop there. Didn't really stop there. No, I think 1982. I mentioned it before. Um, I was mostly collecting Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but uh, I was starting to get interested. Uh, I started uh, dabbling into some Spider-Man. And like I said, this particular issue, it really triggered that memory because I, I remember seeing it on the rack and being like, oh, this this is interesting because it's it's more than just a cover that says, hey, look at all this exciting stuff that's going on in here. It made you almost feel like you could participate in it. And so this issue in particular reminded me of that time and going to the spinner racks. Awesome, Jason. Let's go to Pat. Like Jason, I'm in about that same age group. So July of 1982, uh, we got some good stuff coming up in the music. So I'm really interested in that. But what brings me back is that I can remember it's summertime. And so what I would do as a kid, I'd be at the pool all day from the morning to the night and they would have like different sessions and then just hanging out at an open pool, watching people dive and, you know, getting on the high dive in between, I would go to the PDQ that I mentioned and I probably picking this comic book up off the rack, you know, with whatever change that I had along with getting some, you know, different candies that you could buy at the store. So just a lot of fun Lovable memories this brings back. Did you get the Astro Pops? No, but I do love them. I think, you know, I would get those, uh, the the sweet tart ones, where it's like one color is uh, one and then the other color is the, the bottom. It's the round ones, and those are fun. Nice. <laughs> or maybe even some candy cigarettes, but no heroin. <laughs> Van, what about you? Summer of 82 makes me think of... Um, uh, I had just uh, gotten finished with eighth grade junior high and was about to go to high school. And I was, uh, we were at the tail end of losing to Alabama nine years in a row. But that fall, Bo would go over the top and we would beat Alabama and beat Bear Bryant in his last You, you can stop right there. Fantastic story. Let's move on. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great story. But uh, that was a great summer, too, because we had Blade Runner, The Thing, E.T., Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Megaforce. I mean, Conan the Barbarian, there was just a lot of really good uh, big movies that summer. And uh, that was a great, great, great summer in the movie theater. So I was in the movie theater or at home reading comics pretty much. And um, yeah, that's what this certainly makes me think. Nice. We will now go to the second youngest person on the panel. That would be Jared. You know, because I was pretty young, I'm going to need Jason's help uh, with this memory. But there was a convenience store that we used to ride our bikes to. Jason and I were living in Muncie, Indiana. Jason, you remember the name of that convenience store? Oh, gosh. It was like two letters, I want to say. It was like the P&W or the L. I don't remember. I'll let you think on it. Yeah, let me think on it a minute. They used to give us, I think it was a penny for every aluminum can that we brought up there because I think they were recycling them for five cents, (laughs) but they'd give us kids a penny. And my neighbors, a nice elderly couple, they're the ones that took me to see Octopussy, my first James Bond on screen, but that wouldn't happen until 83. But they would save up all these cans. And I had this big basket on the front of my bike and I'd, I'd put them in and I'd have like trash bags full of cans, like on my shoulders and in the basket, like completely unsafe, weaving in and out of the road as I drive up there, drive up there. I'd ride up there, usually with Jason and he'd have cans too. We'd, we'd give him like 200 cans, which was $2, which was enough to grab a couple of comics. And this is how Jason, and I would do it, you know, and uh, we'd grab those comics and, and bring them back. And that's how we were doing comics in the summer of, of 82. And then, 
come nighttime, uh, sometimes Jason would take pity on me and bring me along over to his buddy John's house. And we'd watch, for those of you in the Midwest remember this, we'd watch Sammy Terry in the evenings. He was like the local host that would put on scary movies from like the 50s and 60s at night. And uh, that right. was summertime viewing right there. And and that's what I remember about the summer of 1982. Like Count Floyd? Ooh, scary kids. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, or, or who's the guy that does it now? He's big on Twitter. Spengooly. Spengooly. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like that. Yeah. We, we had, had a guy Sam like that too. Gary. Man, I wish I could remember the name of that. That's it's gonna bother. I'm gonna remember at two in the morning what the name of that convenience store was. Yeah, because that reminds me because it it was like Valentine's Day because both my my best friend John, who lived on the same street as us, as Jared was saying, he and I both had a crush on uh, April Sparks uh, when we were at grade school. It was Valentine's Day, and I had to go and get. um, I wanted to get her some chocolates, right? So John and I decided we would both go in. We'd throw in and get her, get her some Valentine's Day chocolates. So we drove up to, and I can't remember the name of the store, but we were going to get some of the Valentine's Day candy from this convenience store. It's like a 7-Eleven, if you think of it like that. Uh, but they had like Star Wars cards and baseball cards. So we bought some of those. By the end of that time, we didn't have enough enough money for the for the valentine's day chocolate so we ended up getting her a bunch of penny candies like tootsie rolls and those football chocolate footballs that are wrapped in the gold foil and we found an old cigar box and threw it in there and that's what we <laughs> smooth <laughs> operator <laughs> that's what we gave her yeah yeah don't know why that never worked out <laughs> <laughs> don't you i mean just, just a little bit but it, it's okay i mean you you were young and you're much smarter and, and wiser it Man, was probably I... the uh, it was probably the football candy it would probably show something different yeah i, I wish i had, i cannot think of a single doggone thing from july 1982 i know that at five years old that um school year i started kindergarten so there was that. And I remember like I didn't last long at that first school because I went to the neighborhood school and then somebody decided that I was smart. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is Birmingham, Alabama. So, I mean, how high could the bar be? I'm from there. That's why I can say that joke. And they moved me to uh, the magnet school uh, later on at the start of 83. And uh, the rest for me was nerd history. So that's the best memory that I have from 1982. That brings us to the end of this part of the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page and YouTube. You can call us and leave a voicemail that we might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Man, Jared, with the drop-in, I, 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 dude, I, I'm moving the process up. Now, 70 years tops. Tops. Now, that's awesome. We will be right back. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. Because you demanded it. It's Treasury Cast, a podcast devoted to the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. DC, Marvel, Archie, IDW, and more, bigger than life. It's the Treasury Cast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. 
available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Welcome back from the break. Let us continue with the show. Now it is time to scan through the featured issue of Avengers 221, Volume 1, let's not forget, for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. Add It Up. We are going to talk about some of the ads that stood out in the issue. Like, do can we show those on the screen too? Man, man, you're you're awesome, sir. Like, yeah, and it's probably better than the very terrible pictures that I took when they asked <laughs> for me to take them. But we will now talk about uh, what ads stood out to us most in the book. And Ben, since you were the one who could provide us these awesome images for the viewing audience to see, why don't you go first? Okay. There weren't a lot of great ads. I don't think we had a hostess fruit pie ad in this one, which is a big disappointment because that's mm. always a you know a mm. surefire tension getter. I gotta say, I I hate this version of Willy Wonka. Doesn't look anything like like uh, like Gene. There was one that I thought was going to win, and that was and somebody else may mention it, the Dungeons and Dragons ad. But I'm going to go with oddly enough, I'm going to go with this page right here for two reasons. One, it's got Rom, and I have kind of this weird relationship with Rom in the sense that I subscribed to his comic for like four or five years. I kept think, thinking he, he was too much like the Silver Surfer in, in every way. And then when he fought Galactus and became his herald briefly, I'm like, okay, he totally is Silver Surfer. This is dumb. Why are they doing this? But I did have the toy and the toy was cool. Did the toy go like this? Elbows, it was kind of knees, but it was kind of stiff. But anyway, and the other half of the ad is actually for grit. And you remember those grit ads? I always wondered how many people out there were buying, you know, grit newspapers and what exactly they were reading in it. And I did a little research uh, for a while back for some other project. And it turns out that like the family that owned grit owned like half of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and they donated the land for the baseball stadium that the Little League World Series is on, which is why the Little League World Series is played in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You'll notice right there on the comic, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So Grit has a very tight connection to the Little League Baseball World Series. Isn't that crazy? Who would have ever thought that? That is really dang cool. That's awesome. I don't know if everyone's going to top that. I mean, I know I'm sure not, but I don't have to worry about that. Let's, you know what? Jared is always good at speaking extemporaneously. So he's going to do a good job. No problem. If you go a couple pages to the right, Van, you will land on the bullpen bulletins page. There we are. You took mine. And I know I did, Pat. I thought I might have left you Dungeons and Dragons, but I uh, I want to be just as cool as Van with the research on this. So I p- I've selected Bolton Bolton's page because it had GI Joe number one. GI Joe is cool, and I love it. That's all I got. Oh, that was going to be mine too. <laughs> um, it is also from Rhode Island. <laughs> uh, Make up something. We won't know it's true. Okay, I'll tell you something that is true about GI Joe, and they are out of Rhode Island. Uh, they're big Boston uh, um, Red Sox fans, the owners of Hasbro. And so much so that one of the Joe's cutter has a Boston Red Sox cap on. And they have it in their bylaws that anyone who writes their characters, you can never have snake eyes associated with the New York Yankees. Like he can't wear a New York Yankees anything because they're such Red Sox fans. They will not have their A number one character supporting anything to do with the Yankees. That is a true story. Uh, that's all I got. It's not as cool as Vance, but I tried really hard. 
Hey, I thought you did a great job, and I support that level of petty, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Because <laughs> if yes. I owned G.I. Joe, you wouldn't have no uh, Alabama Crimson Tide on nothing. I wouldn't Al- even let the bad guys have it. I'd be like, Destro mm. is too cool for Crimson <laughs> Tide stuff. You know what? Raptor is too cool. Oh, shoot. Uh, Aaron's still in the chat, isn't he? He likes Raptor. Uh, Crystal Ball is too cool. <laughs> anyway, you get where I'm going with this joke. I do, and I 100% support it. Pat, were you going to piggyback off the G.I. Joe love there? Well, I, I was going to choose that one just because it's the G.I. Joe first issue came out um, around this time, so uh, that's where they're kind of represented it there. But I will take the Dungeons & Dragons one since we're talking about companies and where they're from. The Dungeons & Dragons is TSR. TSR is from, if you look on the address there, where to to send kind of send it in to get a, a hobbies magazine or, or the different catalogs that they have is Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is right in my back area here. So interesting that Dungeons and Dragon was kind of coming up through uh, the Wisconsin area. And, you know, it's D and D. I like that. I like the role-playing aspect of it. D um, nuts. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I think I, we may have covered this one already in, in another episode, so I'm not going to go over it again. But just really cool to see the beginnings of D&D and how they grew to where they are right now. Wasn't the artist on these ads, didn't he end up doing bigger stuff? I, wanna, I can't remember I who say, it is. I feel like Bill Willingham was involved. I don't know if he was an artist on these or if he was writing these. or I might have made that up, but I, I could swear that, that whoever did these ended up doing bigger stuff. Yeah, They're nicely done, though. I mean, for a quick, short, little gotta-grab-you story, these are really cool. Yeah, this is Long Box Crusade, where we might do the research for you, or we ask you to do it for us. Who did these Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons ads? Yeah, uh, I wish I knew. I, I remember. I know Bill Willingham's name, and if that's him, didn't Bill Will- Willingham do the book Fables? Fables, yeah. Yes, he did yeah, some I've read a, stuff, too. I read a trade paperback by the, like, of Fables, and it was really, really good. Um, but we're not here to talk about fables. We're talking about ads. Let's see. We talked to Van. We talked to J- It is Jason's turn. Well, since y'all make me always go last, I guess I'll take bubble yum because <laughs> I like gum. I think he wanted G.I. Joe as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you all could riff and show love for G.I. Joe. And hey, like, I mean, you didn't go. You went next to last, Jason. I'm the one that had to go last. And I was hoping y'all didn't pick and y'all didn't. Mine was the very first ad of the book and it was Cracker Jack. And for not like for no like super reason other than that's kind of a little cool comic. And like Cracker Jack is a surprisingly good candy, right? Like. I don't know. There's something about it. I remember thinking as a kid before I had it that it was like just not going to be good, but it actually is pretty dang good uh, toffee popcorn. So I like Cracker Jack and I thought it was cool candy. So I went with the ad. Does anyone have anything to share about Cracker Jack real quick? Oh, it's just stuck in my teeth. It was, I think it was Pat's nickname in college. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. 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 I'm surprised Van said it mute. Like, like Van knows things. I'm surprised I, Van didn't say just, anything cool about Cracker Jack. I, I had Cracker Jack one time, just not a popcorn fan. It's well known that I don't like popcorn or coffee. So, But I will say that the Bubble Yum ad is interesting in that not only can you win a trip to Six Flags, I'm not sure which Six Flags, but also you could win an Atari video Ooh. game, which is the second prize. Honestly, back then, I went Six Flags all the time. I'd like the Atari, but I already had Heck that. yeah, the 2600 yeah. was like crazy popular That's right way, now. 2600 is a way better prize than Six Flags. And I'm also curious... 
Did people actually read the newspaper and knit on the roller coasters? It seems like <laughs> that seems a little less probable than anything else that happens in this comic book. To be honest with you, I bought that, that shirt. Which shirt? The bubble yum shirt. Oh, like oh. that'd be cool to have. A bubble yum shirt now would be retro and very freaking cool. Absolutely, I agree. I'm and, and then I don't know if, if people would read a newspaper, but I was reminded when I went to Six Flags uh, for the first time with uh, Jared and. Um, my buddy Rob and like they like can't remember which roller coaster. Do you remember which roller coaster? Jared? It was the Ninja. It was it, the Ninja at Georgia. The Ninja. I'm not a roller coaster guy at all. I'm not. And I went on it with them. And like as if most people know, like on roller coasters, there's usually a spot where like they'll take a picture of people and you can buy the picture of how you looked on a roller coaster. And Jared and Rob knew where it was. And so on. Like they went on the roller coaster, they knew right where it was, and they're sitting there, you know, like this. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> looking, uh, good times. looking terrified out of my mind. So I don't know whether or not anyone would be reading a newspaper, but there are some people yeah. who are very casual about their roller coaster use. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I was we, we were at uh, Universal. A couple of months ago, and I rode the new Velocicoaster or whatever, the Velociraptor Jurassic Park roller coaster. And I consider every minute of my life since I rode that to be a gift. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. I don't mean it was going to scare me to death or I was going to have a heart attack or anything. I mean, I thought for 90% of that roller coaster, I was convinced it was about to fling me bodily across the park where I would land on the concrete or crush some other people. I was hanging on for dear life and thinking this thing is not nearly tight enough to hold me in. I do never, never, never again will I get near that insane roller coaster. Good Amen. gosh. Amen to that. And but they, but they spared no expense. <laughs> do you have a comment on this? Let us know. Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or comment on a Longbox Crusade Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube pages. You can call us and leave a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Now, let's continue on with this next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? July 1982. Got it. And here in Way Back in Time, uh, we talk about major news. And we're going to start with Van. Well, I noticed that on July 14th of that year, the musical film adaptation of Pink Floyd's The Wall, directed by Alan Parker and starring Bob Geldof, and written by Roger Waters, though interestingly, none of the band members actually appear in the movie, only Bob Geldof and other actors, premieres at the Empire in Leicester Square in London. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. I just saw El Monstro live. They're the big St. Louis Pink Floyd cover band. They're amazing. And so I'm a big Floyd fan. I liked it. Yeah. We don't need no education. Yeah, I uh, there was one of the coolest teachers that I had my senior year at Auburn. Like he wheels in the TV like we were in elementary school and we're like, what's going on? And he like pops in the tape and like and starts playing the video for Pink Floyd, The Wall. And I can't remember what it transitioned to, but that was a really cool lead. <laughs> so that was so good. You can't remember the lesson. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, important thing, the important thing is I saw the wall and it was cool. All right, Pat, 
Go with the next one, please. I'm going to go with one from July 24th. The single that everybody knows, The Eye of the Tiger. You know, it's the thrill of the fight. Let me tell you something, Pat. If you went to Auburn University, you'd hear it at every sporting event. Oh, I believe that. I would believe that, But this by Survivor from the Rocky Three soundtrack starts its six-week run at number one on the U.S. charts. Wow. Fantastic song. And yes, I'm biased, but even without the bias, I think it's a pretty dang cool song. And essential 80s, absolutely. Jason, go for it. Oh, no, Jared had something. Go for it, man. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know how it's played at the beginning of, like, every Auburn sporting event, like, when they're announcing the lineup. I totally pull a Fletch. Remember Fletch when he dreamed that he was in the Lakers? Like, I I dream that I'm playing for the basketball for the Auburn Tigers. Like, you're starting center. (laughs) 6'3", 6'8", with the Afro. It's Jared. (laughs) All right, I got another quick Auburn uh, factoid for you there, Jared. In 1992, Alabama and Auburn both celebrated the centennial of their football programs. Alabama had the group Alabama play in Tuscaloosa for it. Auburn had Survivor because of Eye of the Tiger play. Winners, oh, Auburn. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Auburn wins, Woo! especially on this podcast. Jason, hit us. All right. I think I'm going to go with the baseball one, the very first bullet here on July 1st. Cal Ripken Jr. makes the first of his record 2,216 consecutive MLB starts at shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. And I think that's a record that may never be broken. Probably. That is flipping insane. (laughs) That's so many games. Jared. Speaking of flipping insane, let's go to July 9th of 1982. Michael Fagan breaks into Buckingham Palace and enters the Queen's bedroom. All that went down in London. I must say, either he is one James Bondish MFR or security was really off that day. But what a weird thing, man. What a creepy thing. It's what they get for having Hawkeyes ahead of their security. Hawkeye <laughs> <laughs> security of the world, Craig. It's like, wait, let me stop you. Oh, I'm out of arrows. Carry on. Carry okay. <laughs> on. <laughs> Funny thing is, I actually like Hawkeye, and I read the Matt Fraction series. It was excellent. I actually like Hawkeye as a character, but it's it's too funny not to rip off of. Cannot help it. All right. On July 4th, former Black Sabbath lead singer Ozzy Osbourne, 33 at the time, weds music manager and concert promoter Sharon Arden. Sharon! <laughs> Sharon! Who is Sharon! was 29 at the time in Maui, Hawaii. And chances are he doesn't remember it because he was probably on a lot of trucks. <laughs> They're still married to this day. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, That's I pretty unusual so. in like, you know, Hollywood and pop culture. That's pretty impressive. That's true. That's very true. All right. We will move on to the top three movies for July 1982. Van start us out with number three. The number three movie in July of 1982 was Young Doctors in Love, which grossed just over $30 million. I've never heard of it. And for a year where <laughs> you had so either. many big movies, and yeah, that is an mm, odd month. Yeah, little known fact, it was a uh, way precursor to Grey's Anatomy. That is not true. Pat, most number two. <laughs> well, speaking about Grey's Anatomy... Coming in at number two is the best little whorehouse in Texas. I saw that one. I saw it on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was like a musical. 
uh, grossed in about $69 million. Yeah, Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember because cool. she had that saying. She says, it's a it's a business to do pleasure with you gentlemen. <laughs> That's right. <I> that. <laughs> All right. Well, I get the uh, distinct honor of coming up with the number one movie of 1982. I've seen it. I've enjoyed it. It's a little flick called An Officer and a Gentleman. It's got Lou Gossett Jr., I can't remember the name of the guy who started it, but it's got Luke Gossage. Richard Gear. <laughs> Thank you, Gere. Richard Gear. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. I got no place else to go. I no well, I tell go. you what, he had somewhere to go because he made about $129 million for the movie studio. So I'm sure he got paid for that. Was that uh, the song Love Lift Us Up, Where yeah. We Belong? Got that right, Delvin. Very good. Yeah. He's carrying yeah. Deborah Winger, I can remember her name, out at the end of the movie. And I believe that's the song that plays on the outro. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I'm so happy I remember that. We will move on to the top three songs according to Billboard at the time. And we'll start with Jason. Well, Delvin, I'm going to need your help here so we can do the <laughs> so we can do the tour. <laughs> Ebony and Ivory. Together in perfect harmony. harmony. Yes, 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 yes. She said she was my forever lover. It's a different. Ebony and Ivory with Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, two legends. Of the industry. I mean, you don't even have to say any more about that. The number two song at the time was Rosanna by Toto. Meet you all the way. Rosanna. Yeah, we're in my wheelhouse now, fellas. When you, <laughs> where we do the 90s, I don't know these songs. Look, I mean, the, these songs are, of course, they're classics by definition now. They're, they're 40 years old, but yes, I mean, come on. Ebony and Ivory, Rosanna, yes. Easy, easy money. Van will hit us with the number one song at the time. Don't you love me, baby? Oh, that's nice. Don't you love me? Man, everybody is singing the 80s. I tell you what, man, if you ever, like, I have Apple Music, and if you go to like 80s soft hits, you will not switch the song like every every song is like oh not not if you're not if you're men or women of a certain age that's all i'm saying and and, and, me, and me at 45 i'm like ooh, that sounds awesome Ooh, that sounds awesome oh that, that sounds awesome too so like here we are 1982 three songs absolutely recognizable number one song just in case you missed it over all of the singles don't you want me by the human league who also has some great songs oh man i'm only human oh man <laughs> This is why we do long box crusades, so we can remember awesome stuff like this. Keep feeling fascination, Devin. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Another good one. Yeah, yes, that's a good song, man. Yeah, Human League has some good ones. Are they? Are they a British group? Oh, they've got to be, surely. If they're not, they're honorary because they just seem like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they got that sound, that certain sound. Yeah, like I, I absolutely could imagine the Human League. Like doing like a James Bond song, especially at the time. Like if they didn't pick Aha or Duran Duran, they could have picked the Human League. And now I am imagining the Human League doing a Bond song, and it's pretty awesome in my head. (laughs) It's shaken and stirred only for this man. 
Oh, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That brings us to the end of this part of the show. Got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at Longbox Crusade. And please subscribe to our feed on YouTube. We will be right back. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on theLongboxCrusade.com, and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends. Welcome back for the break. Now let's get back to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. As always, we are thrilled to kick these off with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They get early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more like raffle giveaways, which are coming up. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh, Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Probably the best reading of that we've ever had. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Good. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, our battle wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason, uh, 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 Jason King. Jason King. Jeremy L. Oh, here we go. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Yeah. Nice. Jazz hands at the end. <laughs> Implied. Yeah. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. MVP captivating Kathy. Captivating Kathy Bright. Uh, I got lost in pants. <laughs> there we are. That's, it. That's what happens when you do it live. Mark Ross. Some call him Cluck Trent. Maxwell Trevor. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cup. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're recent edition, we'll be adding you soon. But if we miss something, you can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we'll get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come and check it out. And if you don't have that extra scratch laying around, but you want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, how about you to write a review on like Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to it, give us some, you know, a thousand stars or however you listen to this, a review or a comment would be great, especially on our YouTube. We love to get the comments. We respond to them. They help bump up our YouTube footprint. And our ultimate goal is to take over the world. (laughs) 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 We will tell you stars. No, seriously. It's like, we just want like 200 subscribers yeah. really that's it <laughs> and if you and if you can't do that i think maybe a little cigar box full of chocolates and candy might help. <laughs> yeah, that would go a long piece. way all right with that let's get into our likes shares and retweets from episode 33 which was battle chasers number one we were in april of 1998 back then 
And I'll kick this one off with Aaron Head Moss. Big Easy at Big Easy 77. Clinton Robeson. Dat to Toby. Days of High Adventure Podcast. Fan Film Fridays. Jane Hendricks. Glenn Peterman. James at J underscore McLaughlin 83. Ken Solo. Paul Barant, Rick Heineken, Ruth Sutherland, Sean Jackson, the Tomb of Reckoning. I think that's a tome. Oh, the tome? Okay. The Tome of Reckoning. You might find the Tome of Reckoning in the Tomb of and Reckoning. That's where I put it. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Tim Price. Unpacking the power of Power Pack. All right. Well, with that, we always encourage you to leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269, 707-532-LBOX. I got it. I got it. Pick up the phone. If we've got one from you, we'll probably play it right about here. Hi, guys. This is Auburn Elvis. Now, for years, I have sung along with everybody on the pick up the phone because I remembered it from my childhood, but I was never really clear on where that came from. I couldn't quite remember it. So I'm on a road trip here. I asked my wife to do a quick search on pick up the phone retro commercial, and (laughs) it pulled up. It's Okay, so for everybody who maybe is a listener who couldn't remember it, it's from an old love line call-in uh, commercial where you they would have these sexy ladies telling you to pick up the phone. So, yeah, now I just explained the joke. Uh, have a great time. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and helping spread the word on this podcast. Ladies, gentlemen, that is the show. Please be sure to check out the website longboxcrusade.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Van Allen Plexico for playing along with our fun games and hijinks. Jared, Jason, Delvin, wait, no, that's me, and Pat for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet and we will start with our guest, Van Allen Plexico. Pretty much the easiest place to find me is just go to www.plexico.net. P-L-E-X-I-C-O. It's like Mexico, but with a P-L, www.plexico.net. I recommend it, especially if you like uh, Auburn football or uh, Babylon 5 or all the Avengers. Or he's got a whole myriad of things out there. So check out. You know what? He's a published author. Maybe... You know, go to Amazon.com and type in Van Alplexico, see what comes up, and buy everything with his name on it. You recently had a new book released, didn't you, Van? Validus V, a novel of giant monsters and giant robots. I have a whole box of them in my car. I've been selling them out of the back of my trunk. $5 a book all week long. (laughs) Yeah, I I put in my order for two copies. Yeah, I I think I cut you a deal, too, for five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and before we get into any more illegalities, Jared, can you tell us where you can be found? Certainly. I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. If you need $5 Vamplexico books, uh, just give me a call. They're in the back of my car. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. If you're on the West Coast and need some Van Allen Plexico books, give me a call. And uh, I got some in the back of my car. I had no idea. I started a cottage industry of, of <laughs> illicit black market sci-fi novels. Wow. Bootlegs! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Pat? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me at Christatos01. Also, I have a minivan full of Van Allen Plexico books <laughs> for $5. And last but not least is me, I guess, D-E underscore R-A-Y-1977 on Twitter. And I, I'm only down to three books myself. So we have covered coast to coast of selling Van Allen Plexico's books out of the back of our cars. I should have made crack or something. I had no idea. <laughs> Just no heroin. <laughs> yep. You're the Walter White of fiction. <laughs> it's also important to note and to finish this bit out that Jared is now an official member of the Long Box Crusade. His paperwork was sped up, everybody. Ooh, yes. Thank you. C- thank you congratulations, Jared. May you survive the experience. Yes, I know that's X-Men, but you know what? I have to say it. Anyway. I feel like I'm the uh, jack of hearts of this group, and there's no <laughs> way that could turn out badly. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. We got more stuff to read. I should get to it. If you want to interact with us via live chat like we're doing right now, actually, and be interested to win some free stuff on our live raffles like we're about to do, join us for our next episode of Doing It live stream over on YouTube. We do them every second Sunday of the month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you get reminder notifications for when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Longbox Crusade. Got comments or questions? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to sell them all for five dollars each. The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-M-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Woo! Ah! Oh, you said, you didn't, you didn't say Warface. Warface, I didn't say Warface, Game Face. <laughs> oh, Hey, everybody. <laughs> this is my game face. And this is my war face. I'm just going to say welcome, everybody, to <laughs> my happy uh, face. Live. Everybody ignore Jason. We're going to welcome you guys face. to this live stream. We're going to be live face. Ah, a live face. recording of Longbox Crusade episode. <laughs> Good gosh. Like, never. We're never going to get through this. <laughs> That's what happens when you go live. Oh, oh people. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. And especially right. if we're all very sharp on our mute discipline today, which I know we always are. Speaking of which, I'm going to go on mute. Delvin, this is your show. I see Jared looking at me, so I better go on mute. I, I see three mutes. I'm waiting for a fourth of Van there who is not on Oh, Oh, four mutes. It can't be five mutes because that would. I came off a of mute to congratulate Van for going on to mute.
I, you know, I appreciate that, Jared. It's always nice to be at a place of gratitude. Should yes, I like to come up mute to I, appreciate Jared. I came appreciate up Van to oh explain that I don't normally use that mute because it doesn't do anything. I record through the soundboard on my computer. If I mute this, it doesn't do anything. So I'm not used to using that. It's all technical. Who cares? <laughs> That's why I'm like, I don't even know where this thing they're talking about is. I use well, this. And plus, if you do a show with just one other guy, if it's just two guys, you don't really. Well, this is how I usually oh do. This Depends on the guy, really. Problematic. But now but no, everyone's just talking and not on mute at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back on mute. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Now everyone is back on mute again. Uh, see, like, you know how hard it is listening audience to lead this group of monkeys it's it's not easy that's all i'm saying that's that's me the leader i'm the leo of the group here and and no one else that's that's why you know anyone else came off of mute to say huh? bullcrap what uh <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the irony you're wearing a red shirt crap <laughs> <laughs> jared set the example go on mute muting <laughs> what is wrong with you we're running a show Oh. I think it was the village pantry. The yes, VP. the VP. That's why I was thinking yeah. two letters. You got it. It was the village pantry. <laughs> and I was thinking VP. VP is two dumb letters to put next to each other, though, if you ask me. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I take it all back to every word. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Delvin got it first because he went to a magnet school. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, whose name starts with a V? It's not mine. Mine has a V in it, but it's not with me. Add it up, add it up. See what you got, you gotta add.